Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, and obviously this isn't The Fan. This is 1600 ESPN, and we will be broadcasting Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Today and next week at 10 to noon on ESPN, a little programming move because of training camp. Uh, Dan Jacobs is over on the fan side right now. I sat in with him for a few minutes and gave him some, uh, I gave him a little, little trash talk, but Dan does a good job. We love Dan. And we'll be here. We'll also podcast this, our normal podcast. And if you've got somebody that's looking, you can listen online next week. Let them know. Uh, but we'll be here for a couple weeks. A lot going on. I drove up Poudre Canyon two days ago, and it actually looked pretty good, and then yesterday happened. So I don't know how much we'll talk about that today, but I, if, if I was looking to go on a fishing trip these next rainy days, I think I would stay away from both the Poudre and the Big Thompson and maybe some of the other canyons right now. It's just so dangerous. Anywhere there's a burn scar, I-70 is closed. The water just pours through that. There was uh, some road damage yesterday. And I think the fishing is going to be really poor. I thought it was going to be good above the hatchery on the pooter after I drove it a couple of days ago, but I don't think that's going to be the case now. So uh, I don't know. We'll get some reports, but you can't get up there now anyway. But we're going to cover up some fishing. We're going to cover a lot of hunting. We're going to cover some shooting. We've got a lot to do, so let's go to the phones. Terry, this is Walt Pru over at Cameo. So I guess you and I might as well talk, and then we'll uh, we'll get to Nate when he does call in. How's that? Sounds good to me. You're the ringleader. Yes. Well, Walt, you are, uh, you're over at the West Slope. You run the Cameo. It's the Cameo Shooting and Education Complex with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Why don't you tell people where that's located? Okay. The Cameo Shooting and Education Complex is about uh, 13 minutes from the, the airport in Grand Junction and uh, even closer still to the little town of Palisade. We're uh, at uh, mile marker number 45 off of I-70. All right, and and describe the facility. It's just this little place with a couple benches, right? <laughs> so the Cameo Shooting and Education Complex is about 50% of the way built out, but we are already uh, a destination shooting facility in, in not just the country but the world now. Uh, we've got 1,800 acres with uh, now 28 action shooting bays, including seven public access bays, with pistol, rifle, shotgun facilities. We've got uh, three sporting clays facilities. We've got a long-range rifle facility where shooters can engage steel targets out to 2,000 yards. Um, We've got three 3D archery loops as well as a known-distance archery bay. And uh, it's it's probably the most comprehensive shooting sports complex in the country right now. Yeah, it it, it really is a true, true just... um just amazing complex and it's open to the public i'm right right is that right it, it is for a for a small 12 dollar uh fee a shooter gets an all-day pass for those under 17 it's only three dollars uh but that all-day pass gets you access to all the facilities that i just mentioned and uh um, also uh access to the public days up on the long-range precision rifle course wow so just so much to do um so if I, if an average guy shows up, now I know you you have limited staff from Parks and Wildlife that runs this facility, but you have mm-hmm. a lot of groups that are involved. So if an average guy shows up and maybe they're not, they're just starting shooting, is there a way for them to get help or lessons? 
Yeah, absolutely. We we actually have a uh, hundred volunteers that that contribute greater and lesser amounts at the facility, and that includes uh, regular range safety officers who are also helpful uh, when when a new shooter shows up. Um, those people will walk over and work with them and get them started on the basics. But then also we have seventy five different user groups that that encompass all of the different aspects of the shooting sports including instructors and you know we'll we'll look at what a person needs and sort of guide them toward an instructor that would be appropriate to get them going at the level that they fit in all right now you all almost all disciplines of shooting are available there rifles pistols shotguns what about we're getting close to a lot of hunting seasons i have a kind of a two-part question do you get a lot of sight-ins there is there help sighting in and can muzzle loaders use the facility? Uh, yes, and yes, and you left out archery. We do a lot of that too. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. We have a number of people that come here and, and sight in black powder rifles as well. We've we've got target backer boards um, all the way from twenty five yards at varying distances all the way out to two hundred. So no matter what your proficiency with a black powder rifle is, we've we've got the place for you. And we don't treat them any differently than we do. Uh, any of the folks shooting the center fire stuff, they can they can come out anytime and go down range and staple up their targets on our backer boards and and uh, they can shoot either standing or prone or from the benches, whatever they whatever they choose. Now, before you've got a big event coming up, but before I get to that, one more thing I want to talk to you about, and that's ammo. Uh, ammunition has been just impossible to find. Now, if I want to come and practice, do you have ammo available for range use? We do actually. We were fortunate enough to to see this thing coming and 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 bought a pretty good supply of ammo. We are limiting it to those those that are using it on the facility. So if somebody's coming for a pre-registered event, they can actually pre-purchase their ammunition and it'll be sitting in our vault waiting for them. Or when the public shows up, we'll sell them, for example, pistol ammo. We'll sell them two boxes of fifty, and if they go through all that, they can walk in and buy two more. Uh, and, and the reason we don't just allow out-the-door ammo purchases is that it seems that no matter how much you've got in stock, it'll be gone the next day if you do that. So we are interested in bringing people here to participate in what we have to offer, and that's who we sell to. And by the way, our prices are actually very reasonable. They're, they're pre-COVID prices. So All right. We've got a few minutes left. Now let's tell us about this huge event you've got coming up. So the Comp Expo, it's a, it's a brand new kind of event. It's a combination of four different world-class competitions and uh, a vendor expo, sort of a mini outdoor shot show, if you will. And we've got, we've got 28 well-known vendors that'll have live fire booths and, and hands-on type demos. Uh, the competitions are the Surefire World Multi-Gun Championship, the NRL Hunter Grand Slam World Championship, which is a long-range rifle competition based on hunting. Uh, we've got a sporting clays tournament, and we've got uh, a sort of a shrunk-down version of the Total Archery Challenge that they're calling the Total Archery Experience. Next year, that will grow into a full-blown uh, Total Archery Challenge event. Uh, and the public can come to this for 20 bucks for a three-day pass. They get a wristband for all three days, and 17 and under is free. Wow. And is there a normal parks pass type fee in addition to that get in or is that the that's the cost? Nope. nope. Your twenty bucks gets you in and, and most of those vendor booths, uh the live fire stuff will be free. Now we do have machine gun tours here and I'm I'm pretty sure they're gonna have a little bit of a charge because, you know, just the sheer volume of ammo that you'd go through. But 
you know, we've got Benelli and Burris and Graybo, Kestrel, Kifaru, uh, Magneto Speed, Night Force, Proof Research, uh, the, the list goes on and on, Vortex, Voodoo, Chimney Trigger, Sig Sauer has bought two of our live fire bays. So given the short fuse that we had on this, we've gotten a tremendous response from industry. And those that couldn't make it because of the short fuse have already signed on for next year. So this is the August 8th. August 6th through the 8th, three days, you have all that shooting competition going on, plus you've got vendors displaying products, and, the, uh, and then they have live fire, so you have ability to try out products. 20 bucks for three days. Wow, that's amazing. Is there a place on the isn't web? That... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, isn't that great? <laughs> oh, it is. Is there a place on the website they can find more information? Yeah, so uh, you can go to cameosec.org or... The Comp Expo itself has a website, and it's just Comp Expo, C-O-M-P-E-X-P-O dot org, all one word. Uh, you, you can pre-purchase and register in advance. Vendors can get on there and sign up. Uh, both of those are tremendous uh, informational opportunities. The Cameo S-E-C dot org, of course, has everything about the range itself. All right. Well, we've got to run. We are out of time. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's just a great event, great facility. I hope people take advantage of it. Thank you so much. You bet. That's Walt Prue from uh, Parks and Wildlife, both the Cameo Shooting uh, Complex. Well, we will take a quick time out now, and when we get back, we will be joined by Nate Zielinski on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and this week on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, usually on 104.3 The Fan, but we are on ESPN 1600 today. We'll be here this week and next. We'll be back at our normal time and normal station after a couple weeks programming changes because of Broncos training camp and I will get even with Dan Jacobs for this but we'll we'll talk about that later. Let's go to the phones and patiently waiting I hope one of our favorite contributors Nate Zelinsky. Good morning Nate. Good morning Terry. I'll tell you you know me I like to talk. I was able to hear you you just couldn't hear me. I wanted to comment on all that shooting stuff. That sounds like a great event. Oh I tell you what isn't that something that that what what I know you're heavily involved with parks and wildlife too and some of the facilities they're bringing to the outdoor public whether it's fishing hunting boating camping shooting it's just phenomenal isn't it. Oh, the, the archery ranges they're bringing in, so much stuff they're doing that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, huge fan of that. I think we should both register our wives in that event so they can make us some, uh, get us some prizes, you know? Yeah, well, you and I aren't going to win the shooting, that's for sure. No, 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 but the wives definitely can. Yeah, they can, and that's why we take them with us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of shooting, Nate, I don't know, you want to? I know you want to talk hunting and fishing. You tell me where you want to start. You know, well, let's start off with the hunting because it's so early to talk hunting. It's so early, you know. How are you talking hunting? It's just summer. We are literally now, uh, you know, 15, 16 days away from the opening day of archery pronghorn. Sheep season starts this week. Um, It is here, regardless of, you know, how crazy our lives get and events get and everything else. I think the summers literally sneak up on us every year, or the falls, I should say. And hunting season is always around the corner. And, you know, Terry, you and I sit at the sports shows. We talk to the public, and all you hear about is complaints by hunters. And the complaints usually end up being excuses. The reason they were unsuccessful was, you know, weather was bad. Or the reason they were unsuccessful was the road was closed. Or the reason they were unsuccessful, you know, was other hunters messed up their hunt. But in reality... If you scout, if you build up that education, that, that education, if you prep, 
in any way, whether it's prep through, you know, dialing in, becoming a better shooter. You prep by, by getting better with calls. You prep by scouting. There's so much involved, but if you do that homework now, you will achieve success. And, Terry, you know, we've been talking scouting now for you know, almost two months, you know, on, you know, on and off. And regardless, Terry, it is here. Archery season for Flonghorn starts soon. You know, your, your overall, you know, bear, elk, deer, everything is starting uh, within a month. It is here. It is time to make sure that you are good. You, you have arrows, have bows, you have muzzleloader, bullets, and powder. You know, you have your rifle dialed in. Everything needs to be set. You need to be scouting, building patterns, because uh, the hunting season is here. And honestly, Terry, it is looking like a great year. We've had tons of rain. And you're cutting out on me, Nate. Here, a fire forest are, are looking very good this year with the moisture that we've had, and I'm really anticipating a great hunting season. Well, one of the things you brought up, by the way, you cut out a couple times, Nate. I don't know if that's on our end or yours, but um, one of the things that uh, you mentioned, getting ready and and uh, talking to, practicing, not only scouting, but getting in your gear ready, sighting in your rifle, getting comfortable with your bow. Supplies are thin everywhere. I've been talking to the supply chain people, and they said it's not going to get better this year. So if you're looking for ammunition to hunt with, you've got to go buy enough right now to sight in and to have enough left over to hunt with. That's it, Terry. You do not want to go in there, buy one box or, or two boxes, and use that up shooting and not have enough to hunt with or have to switch brands or grain bullets, or, or style of bullet, um, because you couldn't find what you dialed in with. You absolutely, when you're shooting a rifle or a muzzleloader, even a, an arrow, you need to make sure that you have enough of that, uh, you know, even down to the broadhead, to where you can practice and hunt with that same combination that you're practicing with. Because, again, supplies are extremely short. And you, people keep hearing us uh, talk about it, and they finally go to the store and realize it. So this is one of those situations uh, that you definitely need to be prepared for and start doing. And honestly, Terry, I hope that everybody has already been doing this because, you know, working with Colorado Parks and Wildlife and talking to them about practicing, we are now getting down to, like, the final steps to where, you know, I've already foresighted my rifle. I've already been shooting my rifle. My rifle is dialed to where now I'm actually taking what we call hunting practice. So we go from shooting at the range or on a bench we're very controlled to where now I'm trying to get out in more realistic situations. I'm trying to shoot, you know, from sitting on my butt with shooting sticks. I'm trying to lay down. I'm trying to shoot standing from the edge of a tree. I'm trying to put more realistic situations into my practice because I've already done everything at the range. That's where I hope hunters are at. And the same type thing with archery. Um, you know, I hope that you, you know, dealt with any issues with your archery equipment. I hope that you have your bow tuned. I hope that your arrows are flying straight. Hopefully you have enough broadheads to where you are ready to go to where you can continue to practice um, and still hunt. So I'm hoping that a lot of that is done, and now we're getting that realistic practice. You know, with pronghorn just around the corner, I know so many hunters are getting ready for that. And with that, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of shooting from a blind over a water hole. You're going to be doing a lot of shooting to where you're crawling, you know, around on the grasslands and drawing your bow at a really, you know, hunched over, laying down position and kind of kneeling up to shoot. You know, you're shooting from behind a decoy. There's so much stuff that is different than just shooting at the normal range. And, you know, now that you have 15 days left before this pronghorn hunt, 
you need to think about those things. Can you shoot with a backpack on? You know, does your binocular harness when you're crouched over fall down to where it's going to hit your bow or hit your archery string? You know, where's your rangefinder attached? All of those little things are the key details that you need to be practicing now. So when you get that opportunity, you can absolutely capitalize and make the most of it. You're absolutely right. And how your gun fits you when you're wearing your hunting clothes is another great one. When you, it's going to have a different. You're going to have a different sight picture. Different. It's going to have a different line of flight with your bow. All those things you have to just have to adjust. Let's switch things up. We got time left, though, Nate. I do want to talk some fishing. We still got a lot of good. I hear you're on still on a great pike bite. Terry, the, the pike fishing is absolutely incredible. We've been posting a few teaser pictures here and there, uh, but honestly, we have been guiding pike every day, and a good portion of our team is guiding pike. Um, Terry, it is absolutely, it's probably one of the better years we've had in 10 years, 12 years. Um, honestly, it reminds me a lot of the 2006 season where it was just incredible. We're seeing 40-inch fish daily um it is just uh, just as good as it gets and every every fishery goes through cycles every you know year class of fish you go through kind of boosting cycles and right now that south park region spinning 11 mile they are on a good temperature of water our weed growth is good it's not crazy but it's good uh and the quality of our fish are high we're seeing so many fish in this 8- to 12-year-old class. So it's basically going to be putting you in that 34 to 36 on the small range, 40 to 42 on the upper end, um, and just some some quality fish. So it, it, there's a lot of bites, the trout, the walleye, the bass, everything's happening. But if I had to pick one thing, I would put some energy into pike right now because the quality of fish we're getting, people travel you know, across the world and across our country and numerous trips to Canada to, to look for the fish that we're catching right here in their backyard. So if you're looking for a bite, I would put a major emphasis on pike fishing right now just because it, it, it's very world-class. It, it really is. And I, you and I, you know that I've fished pike from the Arctic Circle all the way down to as far south as they go and across the corners of the country. And some of the biggest pike I've caught in my life have come right here in Colorado, and they rival anywhere I've fished. What kind of techniques are you using, Nate? You know, Terry, we're in that magical zone to where even though, again, everybody's saying it's summer, our nights are getting drastically cooler in the high country. The other day when I launched my boat, I was at 32 degrees. I've seen a 29-degree morning. Um, so even though it's warming up to 70 and 80 during the day, our nights are cooling off. Our fall temperatures are here. And every year when you see a 2-degree increase in that surface temperature, it brings on our topwater bite. So right now on all these fisheries, your first couple hours of the day, your last couple hours of the day we have got a tremendous topwater bite so whether you want to fish you know walk the dog style baits or buzz baits you want to make an aggressive splash on the surface and that's the key to that topwater bite then when you have days that are cloudy gloomy rainy that bite will go all day so like today you know it, it's fairly clear up in the high country but if the storms are coming in right now so Days like this, you can catch them on top water all day long. So, you know, you can predict a, a day on the water, find a cloudy, cool day, and that top water bite will go all day. On those hot, sunny days, it's going to be a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours at night. But I like a bait that runs as straight as possible. Um, of all the top water fish out there, I would say the pike definitely has the worst aim of any fish you've Boy, ever targeted. That's so true. I mean, it's just incredible. And then you throw the fact that our fish have so much food, it adds even a more lazy element. You know, in Canada, you, you get to a place where they have competition of musky bass, 
at least they're a little more in tune with it because they, they don't have as much food. But our fish are so well fed. You throw the laziness on top of the poor aim, and it's rough. So I like a bait that runs as straight as possible and a bait that makes the most noise with the least amount of speed. So, you know, uh, kind of a lightweight buzz bait, especially like a buzz bait with a clack. That works really well. It's weedless. It runs straight. It makes a lot of noise. I can fish it at a fairly slow pace, and it's a great combination to get a lot of fish. Uh, I have a lot of anglers I talk to that, you know, they love working Zara Spooks and, uh, you know, a lot of those style baits, and they work great. It's not the fact that they don't catch fish. The fish love them, but anytime you throw a a hard left-right action on there, you're just opening yourself up for a little bit more failure on the actual takes of the fish making contact with the bait. So I highly suggest, uh, you know, fish it slow, fish it straight, and you're going to catch a lot more fish. So that's kind of one aspect of the bite. We're also seeing a lot of action uh, with a kind of various techniques. We're doing really well on spinner baits, so bass-style spinner baits. Um, the color of the bait matters, but the blade matters more. So we're running some lighter color baits, you know, grays and whites. We're running some dark color baits, dark browns, olives, blacks. But really what seems to be the big difference, um, we're doing really well on, on brass blades, and we're doing really well on gold blades. Certain days we see some silvers, uh, but really that brass blade uh, in kind of a larger Colorado, that's been probably our ideal technique. So more so than, than the actual bait color, we're doing really well on, on specifics on the blades itself. And that's one of those things that I think a lot of anglers overlook. So when I'm going through my box, I do a lot more looking at the blade configuration far more than I do actually looking at the bait color itself. So I encourage all the pike anglers to put some emphasis on that. That will definitely help you catch some more fish. And then also, uh, if you have an area clean enough to fish uh, swim baits, that's catching fish as well as fishing a lot of jerk baits. All right. We are out of time, Nate, but if you, I know you've got events coming up. How do people find more information about you? You know, go to our website. We have Catch Rate this coming Wednesday evening. We're excited about it. Look at our Facebook page on Monday. We're going to have some incentives. So for new anglers, if you don't know what Catch Rate is, it's like we call it almost like a league event, almost like a bowling league or a softball league. But you can drop in for one event. You can fish all of them. It's bass, walleye, trout, and carp, $20 per species. We feed you a great dinner at the end. You're going to meet some great anglers. There's going to be incentive money this week. So there's going to be hundreds of dollars available for new anglers. So if you come this week and you have never fished it before and you place in that money, you're going to have extra money. So stay tuned to our Facebook page. We'll release more details, but extra money for new anglers fishing catch rate this Wednesday. And that's Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and TightlineOutdoors.com. Nate, we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us. Sorry about the mix-up. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zielinski, always a great contributor. We're going to take a time out, and then we're going to take you up to State Forest State Park and talk about the moose up there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, uh, usually on 1043.3 The Fan, but today on 1600 ESPN. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor public for over 65 years. If, you have, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, you've got to stop in one of their stores and just check it out. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from State Forest State Park is Lily Heinzel. Good morning, Lily. Good morning. How are you, Terry? I'm doing great. Uh, how are, you, are you getting any rain up there? It's kind of a concern, not for you guys, but for down on the other side of the pass. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of rain yesterday, and we're expecting more today. Any effect on the park from the burn scars? I know the Poudre River and Highway 14 is closed right now, coming up out of Fort Collins, but the park is okay. The park's okay. We actually, even though we are right next to Cameron Pass, we experienced less than five acres of fire damage, 
and the Poudre Canyon or Colorado 14 is actually open today. They did reopen. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So yep. people can get up there. Why don't you tell people where state, what kind of did, to tell them exactly where the park is located and kind of describe it to them. Yeah. So we have the largest uh, state park in Colorado, 71,000 acres. We have two mountain ranges, the Never Summer Mountain Range and the Medicine Bow Mountain Range. We've got a little bit of something for everybody. We've got really, really long trails with gorgeous scenery and some shorter trails for the families. Um, we've got fishing and all sorts of activities. Yeah, Our general you, elevation is at least 9,000 feet. Yeah, so you, we're in Jackson County. Yeah, you do a lot there. You have a lot of camping, too. You oh, yeah. St- and you met, let's talk about some of those amenities real quick. I know you have mm-hmm. an event coming up. We'll get to that. Um, but the fishing is a little different right now because one of your main fishing attractions, North Michigan Res- Reservoir, is out of commission right now. Is that right? Yep. Unfortunately, there were several leaks in the dam, so we had to drain it. And most of the fish got, you know, let out through the drain, so there's still a lot of fishing just below the dam and in other areas of our park. And we're, we're not sure when that will open, but it probably won't be till next year sometime and we'll mm. keep, you'll keep us posted on that i i've done, actually done a couple television shows right on north michigan it's great for ice fishing so hopefully oh. we'll get that rebuilt soon but like you like you said there's a lot of other fishing opportunities mm-hmm. right now the river below um, north michigan like you said is full of fish and that's normally good fly fishing anyway and you've got the river where it comes in and you, what are some of the other fishing opportunities there yeah, so we have a couple options, ranger lakes, um, more towards into um, the mountains, is regularly stocked with rainbow trout, and then our alpine lakes, while we have a few extra requirements for fishers up there, also have really good cutthroats. And then as far as camping, the campgrounds at North Michigan are still open, is that right? Correct, yep. And what other camping sites do you have there? Yeah, we have um, an electrical hookup site at Ranger Lakes, and then a couple more um, rustic areas, like the Craig's Campground, which is really beautiful. It's nestled right in the Never Summer Range. Um, we've got Bachman, which has a lot of history. It used to be the largest lumber camp in Colorado history. And then we have lots of primitive areas just for people looking to get a little bit more privacy. And we're going to talk later on about tent camping. They could take advantage of those primitive areas later on in the show. But it is beautiful up there. And, and one of the reasons people love coming up to that park is the moose. And you're going to have a moose festival. I see moose up there almost every time I, c- mm-hmm. I come up there. They're such an incredibly regal, gorgeous animal. Dangerous, but beautiful <laughs> to look at. Tell oh, us yeah. about the event you've got coming up. Yeah, so our event is on August 14th, so that's coming up in a couple Saturdays, and it's called the Moose Festival. We're super excited. We've got a bunch of um, educational events around moose, such as uh, Trina Romero with CPW is coming in and talking about moose biology. We've got a wonderful video that was actually filmed in our park on moose, and that'll be showing throughout the day. We also have a couple educational booths, with uh, Colorado State Forest Service, uh, Rapaho Wildlife Refuge, and many more. We're very excited. And uh, I think there's going to be crafts for kids. Are there going to be any yep. guided hikes or anything like that? We're going to have a hay ride. A so hay That's going to be with a ranger, yep. Oh, that might, that'll be awesome. Now, <laughs> if people want to see a moose, you're not doing moose viewing particularly as right. part of the event, but mm-hmm. you're going to help guide at least tell likely to go see because you kind of keep track of them, right? Right, yeah. We listen to visitors who say that they've seen moose, and we have a board in our visitor center, 
and we keep track of yeah where the moose are at every day. Yeah, and I'll tell you, folks, you're probably going to see one. Chances are better than not if you do spend the time up there. But one thing we really want to make sure people understand is moose is probably the most dangerous animal in Colorado. People don't think of that because it's part of the deer family. It's just so big. But unlike deer or even elk, they're not afraid or shy, and Mm -hmm. they'll defend themselves. They really can get dangerous, so you have to be careful, don't you? Yeah, for sure. You want to give them a lot of space, and you want to be kind of loud so that they know you're there. Because if a moose knows you're there, they're less likely to be threatened by you. Yep. Yeah, and if, of course, and if they've got calves, you have to be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing when you're in moose country, I always tell people, I know you tell people to leave your dog on a leash. I tell yep. people, if you really like your dog, don't take it to moose country. Mm-hmm. My dog's not here. <laughs> well, well, the moose, moose dog is a wolf. And, right, exactly. And, and they, they'll, they'll attack it. And what happens if that dog runs free? The moose charges the dog because it's not afraid. The dog mm-hmm. runs back to the owner, and the owner gets stomped by the moose, and the dog right. runs away. So it's really important. But if you keep a good distance, bring binoculars. They are a gorgeous animal to watch, and a lot of times they won't spook. You can watch them for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, they're, again, they're not really afraid of you. They'll just see you and be like, yep, that's a person, and they keep doing their thing as long as you're far enough away. Now, tell us the dates and times again of the festival. Yeah, so the festival is on August 14th, that's a Saturday, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. All right, and is there information on the website about it, if people want to look it up? Yeah, we've got information on our website, which is State Forest State Park on the usual CPW spot, and then we've also got information on our Facebook, and if you're in the park, we've got information on our billboards, because we don't exactly have service. All right, Lily, thanks so much for joining us, and hopefully a lot of people come up. They are beautiful animals to watch. I hope so. Thank you so much, Sherry. You bet. Lily Heinzel. I'll tell you what, if you haven't ever seen a moose in person, they're just the most gorgeous animal you've ever seen. If you look, some of my television shows that are on YouTube now from our broadcast days, um, we do have footage of moose. When we Some from Alaska, but some from right up there in Cameron Pass and up in that area. And if you heard Lily, she said Highway 14 is open right now. We're going to try to keep you updated on that. Uh, they had some tough times. If we get some rain tonight, be careful going over Highway 14 if you're headed up there. Check ahead of time. Check the weather. You don't want to get caught in one of these mudslides and get trapped or worse. So be Pay really close attention to that. Tell you what, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Brad Peterson's going to join us. We're going to talk about the walleye wiper and other fishing in the northeast region of Colorado. And some of it's going to, is already gotten really good, and some of it's going to be getting better. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, Jack's Outdoor Gear. We're broadcasting today on ESPN 1600. If you've never heard the show before, we'll be here this week. We'll be here 10 to 12 next week. Then we'll be back on the fan from 9 to 11, which is our normal home since, uh, well, most of the time since 1998. So we'll be back there. We'll get even with Dan Jacobs for this training camp thing. But right now, you can listen to us right here on 1600 and next week on 1600. Let's go to the phones. And joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing this morning? Are you still are you around home? Is it raining up there yet? You know, it hasn't started raining here. I am around home. Um, tempted to head out to the lake this afternoon, but uh, I'm kind of getting excited about this weather. It, it has a touch of fall feel to it, and uh, that's a good thing. 
You're, it really is because this cooling down period, it's the bait fish start acting different. The fish themselves start positioning different. Some new bites start, new techniques and presentations. And it can be some of the most productive fishing of the year. Oh, it absolutely can be. And, you know, outside of the early spring, it also is one of the times of year that you really can start catching some of those trophy fish again, especially when you're talking the warm water stuff. And then, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife will start to stock you know, trout again along the, the front range and out east. So anglers looking for opportunities to catch trout close to home, that's going to start happening here soon too. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. So what are you hearing right now, say like Boyd and maybe some of the northeast reservoirs? You know, Boyd is in a real unique situation right now. The water level is a lot higher than it normally is. So the fish are still really spread out. And uh, I was out there just a couple days ago, and I saw 84-degree surface temp in the afternoon. So it's making it to where the fishing in the middle of the day is a little bit tough. But uh, if you're out early in the morning, late, later in the afternoon, towards evening, the bite is still there. Um, lots of forage fish. And so as the lake starts to drop and the water starts to cool, you're going to get those fish kind of pulling out to the deeper edges of the weeds that are still in the water and the deeper structure so the bite's really going to start picking up there the one lake up in the northeast that's really been you know doing good consistently for quality fish is jackson the wipers out there at jackson are just phenomenal and and the majority of them are in that 17 to 20 inch range and that's a fun fish to get out there and catch oh it really is what kind of techniques when you go to jackson jackson's kind of a bowl it's a shallow lake i don't i haven't fished it enough to know if it has much structure i don't think it has a ton but so you, do you have to cover a lot of water to find those wipers you do and, and there's two effective ways to really cover the water you know, one is either to troll, and when I'm up there trolling right now, I'm usually going 2.3 to 2.8, you know, kind of on that faster speed range. And, um, you know, you can just long line crankbaits, or if you've got planer boards, uh, that works. Uh, I've found in the morning running planer boards and keeping those lures in the top five feet of the water column seems to be producing best. And the other option, if you've got electronics with side scan, is to drive along and cruise with your side skin and look for the schools of bait. And not every school, but usually you can see it, you know, just pay attention with that school, and you're going to see schools of bait that have fish next to them. And then if that's the case, then you can target those fish, you know, jigging, casting, stuff like that. And I guess the last one, and I'm sure it's, it's one of your favorites, is Always have something ready, a topwater lure that, and pay attention. If you start seeing the birds surface, that's usually the shad or, or the birds hitting the surface and uh, the shad starting to come up. It's usually the, the wipers pushing those shad up and boiling, and that's as exciting as it can get. The one tip I'll tell you if you get on the boil is don't go running in there with your big motor. You'll push that boil down. The best thing to do is, is either get your boat going with your big motor, shut it off and kind of glide in there, or run your electric up there and stay about half a cast distance away, and you'll get to catch a lot more fish out of that school before they go back down. One of the techniques I love, you mentioned the topwater. In fact, there's a video on my YouTube channel about fishing white bass with topwater that 
pretty much the same. I like a popper, and not that they won't hit other topwater baits, but I can chug that popper right in the boil and not move it a lot, just get some attention from it, and I'll get so many bites. And sometimes I'll even take and put a piece of line from the back hook of that popper, run it down, and put a piece of soft plastic on a hook or a small jig right that will hang just below it. Just a phenomenal way to catch those fish. Oh, that is. I, I like doing that, and I use um, right off the tail end, I'll put a little, like, 16-ounce, uh, like, marabou jig, white white jig, maybe a foot behind on that, that back hook. And it's not uncommon to catch two fish when you're set up like that at a time. And if you've got one wiper, you know it's a whale of a fight. You have two of them that want to go two different directions, and I tell you what, it, uh, it can wear out a a seasoned angler, but it's it's an absolute blast. Oh, it's hard on tackle too. Make sure you got maybe a little more than just a a little push button combo because they will test your tackle. What about some of the lakes further out east? What are you hearing there? You know, out east, it, the issue right now is water level. The, the farmers have really been dragging or drawing down the lakes because of how dry it's been. This rain may kind of slow that down a bit, so. I hear Jumbo still has water. The bite's been a little bit tough. Sterling's the lake that you're going to be able to get your boat on the longest or fish from shore. If I would go up there to fish from shore, I'm going to be concentrating along that dam area at Sterling or along the south boat ramp, the point that's out there. Those are going to be your easiest access areas to get on fish. And if you're fishing from a boat, look for the big main lake pieces of structure if there are some weeds still in, in the water, there are going to be a few bigger fish hanging in there, but a lot of the fish are starting to pull out to that, that deeper rocker, rocky structure now. So I would I would stick to that. The two lakes out of state that are just fishing phenomenal right now are Lake McConaughey and Glendale. Both of those for walleyes are just absolutely on fire. So if you want to take a little bit longer trip, trek out there. Uh, I'd, I'd look at going to one of those two. Now let's talk about each one of those. We have a couple minutes left. One of those, I probably I might not, but I probably might approach them differently. I know in July I love to troll troll at Glendo and shallow over bait in over deep water, like maybe over 40, 50, 60 feet, but maybe I'm only fishing five feet deep and I'm looking for balls of bait. Hard to see, find them when they're that shallow, but when you do, the bite can be phenomenal. And at McConaughey, the spoon bite seems to start a little earlier, and I love jigging spoons. Do you have any idea where either or both of those are at right now? Well, right now for McConaughey, it's more of a trolling bite. Um, I would say most of August, just based on the water level, is going to be a trolling bite. Um, as the lake starts dropping towards around Labor Day, that jigging spoon bite's going to really start picking up, and that will keep going all the way into November. Now, at Glendo, it's kind of the same thing. You know what you're saying about trolling that, those open water areas? The, the lake is really starting to pull down, pull out of the weeds in the bigger bays. So either that trolling bite or look for structure kind of at the mouth of toes there's a bunch of sandy points going into uh airport bay you know the mouth of muddy bay and then uh sandy beach and if you go even further down kind of towards the dam those points will hold fish as they start to pull out of those coves 
So you have two really good options going on up there, and both are going to produce numbers of fish with your chance at a quality fish. And McConaughey, I would kind of look towards the suspended trolling bite, figure out, use your electronics, figure out where the uh, that thermocline is and where the bait's hanging out, and that's going to be your best chance. The other thing up at McConaughey that people are doing from shore is they're still catching some big catfish and some wipers and white bass from shore. So you do have the opportunity if you go up there, maybe you just want to go camping and you want to do some shore fishing, there is that opportunity. Just remember, in the last couple of years, both McConaughey and Glendo have gone all reservation for camping. So if you're looking to go there, call up and, and get a spot reserved. Last time, I want to change topics on you. i got a couple minutes here. Um, we're not that far away from teal season opening up, about a month away, I think, maybe. And yep. what are you hearing about the duck seasons, the teal, and the ammunition for hunting ducks? You know, I've been out doing some looking at ammunition, and 12-gauge seems to be, you can find 12-gauge uh, steel loads. Um, they're not too hard to find, but if you shoot, an off caliber, you know, and not, not a 12-gauge, maybe a 10-gauge, a 20-gauge, a, a 16. Those have become really hard to find. So if that is what you shoot, I would be starting to look right now, you know, every time you're in the area or making phone calls and uh, stockpile a little bit on that. But the duck numbers, green-winged teal are a little bit down, but blue-winged teal are up. So I think our teal hunting is going to be pretty good. And this is a year that we could have some really good teal numbers early. And the reason being is the Dakotas are pretty dry in Montana. So the areas north of us, as those birds start coming down out of Canada and cross the border and make it, you know, into the U.S., there's not a lot of water to hold them. So they're going to start the migration and keep moving a little bit quicker. And if we get this moisture and our lakes are above normal and a lot of our ponds are looking good out on the northeast part of the state, so I'm kind of right now forecasting a pretty good teal season. If we can get one good cold snap to get those birds starting to move, I think the hunters are going to have a real good opportunity to get on some of those early ducks. All right, and that sounds good, and that's the first season. We did, we had heard previously that some of the mallards and some of those might be down a little. Have you had any update there? Yeah, you know, with the closed border, uh, the the federal government in Canada haven't done the full counts like they normally do. So a lot of this is just speculation, but it looks like the mallard numbers are down, the widget numbers are down, pintails are down, but other certain species are up. Gadwalls, like I said, blue-winged teal. So you may need to kind of pay attention to areas that have historically been good for the species that are are doing better number-wise, and maybe target a few of those ponds and places like that. You know, gadwalls love spots that have duckweed on them. So if you've got a, a pond that you know that has a lot of duckweed historically, that may be a spot to target for that early duck season because the numbers of the birds that like that type feed is up, whereas some of the other species are down. So that's where I'd kind of be doing my scouting and looking for right now. Brad, we'll talk more about this as we get closer to the season. We'll keep people posted. But if people want to book a trip with you, either fishing or hunting, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors. 
or you can give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon, and you and I need to get on the water together. Yes, we do, Terry. All right, thanks, Brad. All right, Brad Peterson with Brad Peterson Outdoors. By the way, we're broadcasting today from 10 to noon. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is on ESPN 1600. We'll be here next week, too, from 10 to noon on 1600. Uh, normally, we're from 9 to 11 on 104.3, the Fan, our sister station. With us, We have got uh, training camp specials going on over there. Uh, I heard there's a football team in Colorado called the Broncos. I'm not sure. Actually, you folks who listen know I'm a huge sports fan, and we're going to we always do a little moving around. We do a little moving for some of these sports events, but we'll be back in our regular schedule soon enough. Uh, we're going to cover just a range of topics yet here today. If you're new to the program, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. A lot of what we covered uh, every week, the, we put links to the podcast on our Facebook page. There's links to videos on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, which are taken from our previous broadcast television shows. And then we do a lot of up-to-date reports. If we get out, if Karen and I get out, or if I get out with somebody and we're fishing, or even just driving and scouting, we will put reports up on the Facebook page. You can keep track of what's going on in this show. We put the fishing report that came out Friday. That's on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You can keep track of the show by following us there. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to change the talk back topic, and we're going to talk about knives on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN.